0: Welcome to today's episode of the Top Producing Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Jin, and
1: I'm your co-host, Shane Carvalho.
0: So today we're super excited to have Jesse Vasquez join us. Jesse is a master of the midterm rental market space, and he's mentored hundreds of real estate investors, homeowners, and short-term rental enthusiasts. He started in corporate sales, but left that and started in 2021 Air Venture hosting and Air Venture Academy. He's found himself an amazing niche in operating unique short-term rental and mid-term rental homes for traveling healthcare professionals. And what started as two homes in 2020, he and his team have now grown into a portfolio of over 20 owned and co-hosted homes in California and Texas. So Jesse, super excited to have you here today on the Top Producing Zone podcast. Thanks for joining us, man.
2: Michael, you have an announcer's voice, man. I just want you to know that right now. And I heard you talking about that. Like, right, Shane? Like, Michael's voice is just like, dude, you sound exactly what a podcast, podcaster should sound like. Like, seriously, man.
1: Yeah. That's why, that's why he gets to do the intros because he's better at that than <laughs> Michael. All. That's
2: the voice, man. You're going to have like all kinds of Teslas. You're going to be guys, you're going to have sponsors like crazy with that voice, Michael. Thanks for having me well, that's here, awesome.
0: guys. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> I,
2: I appreciate it, man. I, I'm over here with the mush mouth. I can hardly talk. I don't even know why people listen to me, but uh, <laughs> yeah, my name's my name is jesse vasquez you, you said everything right man um i've been investing here in the central valley for quite some time now and um i'm just glad to be here and, and shane shane is a buddy of mine and, and michael uh, you are too now so we're, we're we're buddies we're all buddies here right so yep, yeah absolutely. i appreciate you guys for having me having me on the show
0: uh well so jesse i like i think your story is is really unique and you've done a lot of just amazing things over these last like i mean you you kind of moonlighted in short-term and midterm rental spaces and now you've kind of gone full-time um, and you've just absolutely killed it. Uh, maybe we could talk about like, you know, how did you make that transition? Like, you know, you were in corporate You know, I'm kind of making that similar transition myself. How did you go about doing that? What finally brought you over the edge to fully commit to it?
2: Well, I'm going to tell you right now, and hopefully the company that I worked for, if you guys go look at my LinkedIn, you'll know who I worked for in the past. I didn't say that out loud, but, um, <laughs> I worked for a company, you guys, my paychecks were bouncing. I worked for a, a multi-million dollar company and I was a development, uh, you know, business development manager, which is a fancy way of saying sales rep. I don't care what anybody says. If you're a business developer, you're a sales rep. (laughs) There's all kinds of fancy terms for sales reps, but it's like, it's just, you're just a sales rep. But anyway, so I had about 17 uh, reps underneath me. Kind of like what you do, Shane, you have like your team, you know, like realtors have their teams. It's Exactly what I have. So I covered San Francisco, Silicon Valley, Oakland, Berkeley, um, like all these uh, areas in in the Bay Area, and then also um, Los Angeles market, and then also my Central Valley market. So I was in charge of all these sales reps that were in these markets and I started having checks that bounced. Um, and for me, like, and I'll, will just be super straight. I'm going to talk, I, I'm very um, open with financials and stuff like that. So I'm going to talk to you guys about what I was making and why I thought I was in such a good place. At that time in my life, I was making $200,000 a year, um, which to me living in the Central Valley, that's like, dude, that's like you won the lottery. Like, that's one of those things that like, Not anybody really. Not very many people make that much money here in the Central Valley. And for me, I'm just like, holy smokes! I'm making 200 grand. I'm freaking. I'm awesome. I'm killing it. This is great. And what that also caused is uh, something that I don't know if you guys ever heard of, but it's called golden handcuffs. Shane, you familiar with those golden handcuffs? Yeah.
1: And it causes complacency as well. Exactly.
2: Yeah, and exactly. And I was in a job where I felt, um, I felt that I was valuable in the sense that I was able to teach people how to, like, you know, become better salesmen and women, and how to become. Um, you know how to connect with people and how to build those relationships. That's what I did in my in my, my nine to five. Um, but again, these checks started bouncing, all these things started happening. And at one point, I started having 17 reps messaging me saying, hey, Jess, where's our checks? Like our checks aren't aren't going through, they're bouncing. And finally, one day I went into work and I'm just like, what kind of company is first off going to be ran that makes millions of dollars a year and they're not paying their employees? And then I was seeing like these owners that were like driving like brand new BMWs, brand new Lexuses, like buying these like new homes. And I'm just like, well, where the hell is the money yeah. going? So anyway, one day I went into work and I just was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I just resigned right then and there. So it was kind of like one of those quick shifts in my mind where it's just like, do I really want to spend my time and energy helping somebody else make all these all this money? And at the end of the day, they don't even care about me and the rest of the other employees. So it was like that quick little switch that happened. And, uh, and just real quick on this note, my family, Shane, you know I have a daughter, right? My daughter... At that time, she was like 15. She called my mom and she was like, and I'm pretending if you guys are watching this, I'm holding a pin as a phone. And she's like, grandma, my dad quit his job. I don't know what we're going to do now. Like basically, essentially, like my daughter at 15 was like, holy crap, we're ruined now. Like my dad just quit his job. Like we're not going to be able to make this much money anymore. Like we're going to be homeless, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but thankfully, I was I, I was nest egging money uh, away. And one of these one something I did that was and I probably don't, I don't talk about this very much. In 2020, right when the pandemic hit in 2020, uh, March 20th, 2021 or 2020, Mm -hmm. I refinanced my, my property and I refinanced for $75,000. I took 75 grand out that day that I got the monies when the, the, the city of San Francisco, you guys might remember the Shane and, and Michael, the mayor came on TV and she was like, we're now closing the city of San Francisco, like California closed before anybody else. Right. Yeah. And that day. That night, the stock market went from this crazy high, just poof, flat flatlined. That $75,000 that I took that I was going to let for, you know, for pulling cash out of my property, I was going to buy another home. I dumped it all in the stock market the 21st. Everything, every single penny of that. And my family was like, dude, you're a freaking idiot. So that 75 grand over the next two years, 7 x So I was able to like literally feel comfortable knowing that you know, I can screw up or I can whatever, and I can go back to sales if I want to. And I think it was that one move that really made me feel comfortable that if I needed to get out of for whatever reason, I could. Um, so, you know, I, I was able to, you know, have a little cushion. Um, but it was, it was also a really pretty ballsy move to <laughs> drop all that money in, in the stock market. So I had cushion is what I was trying to say is that's that's kind of why I felt comfortable leaving, you know, a year later, knowing that I had and at that time, I was probably like, three or four X what it was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So, so then when you did leave and you, you know, you kind of went full-time into doing this, into doing like short-term, mid-term rentals, like, was this your first like foray, so to speak into entrepreneurship and doing something
2: by yourself? Well, I wish I had those cool stories where there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I was selling pogs, uh, on the schoolyard when I was like 13. Like I didn't, and those of you that are probably listening, like what the hell are pogs? Shane, you guys know what pogs are. You guys are my age.
1: I do know. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, I knew that was coming. I was ready for that. Yes.
2: <laughs> so yeah, we're 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 showing our age right here right now. But I don't have one of those cool stories where I had always had entrepreneurship. But I remember seeing people. That I remember, um, there was this one lady that owned a company. It was called ABC Healthcare, and she started an outside boot camp uh, probably like 20 years ago before it became like popular. And it was literally like 400 dollars for people to sign up for this course for like a month, and she would have like hundreds of people out exercising out in the middle of nowhere. And I remember just sitting there because I took the class, and I'm like each one of us is paying $400 plus she's upselling us on like all these things. That's kind of when my brain clicked on, like I need to work for myself at some point. I was probably like in my late twenties at that time, um, still working corporate America, still doing the same thing. But um, I think I've always had entrepreneurship in me, but I just never really like took that leap. Um, And I think I needed to. And obviously this kind of, you know, comes full circle at this point, but I knew that if I ever wanted to be, you know, like rich, I had to create something of my own you know, instead of working for somebody else.
0: So then without that experience, like how did you go about then approaching things? Like, how did you, like what, how did you figure out like where to start? Cause obviously when you start your the business, there's, there could be so many different things that you can pursue. So many different things you can analyze. You might be able to overanalyze things to death.
2: Yeah. Well, I knew that I was good at one thing and I, and I hope everybody listening to this right now takes this for what it is. I'm good at sales. You put me in front of somebody, Shane, I need to join your team because I'll kill it over there. Um, <laughs>
1: hey, we're, we're hiring. We're I, know, hiring. I,
2: knew, I knew that I'm good at sales. I'm good at communicating with people. I, I feel like I'm a good communicator. Um, and that's one skill that I know that I always have had since I was a little kid. And I think that anybody or everybody has one, one of these specific skills. And if you have that one skill, go all in on it. And I think that's where my head was at early on is that, you know, if I put my mind to something, no matter what, I'm, you know, obviously education before compensation, that's important. I, I read bigger pockets books. I was listening to podcasts. You know, I was consuming all this information that had to do with real estate. And at the end of the day, you have to take massive action, just like Tony Robbins says, right? Take massive action to get results. And at the end of the day, 99% of people don't take action. They just read stuff. They get caught up in the analytical approach. They get stuck. And I'm one of those people that's just like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. um, And I'm going to take action. And so for me, it was just um, kind of like a compounded effect over time that finally, all those little tiny things that I was doing compounded, you know, within years. And obviously I was able to make the move and, and uh, find, you know, find a a niche that works. And I hate that word niche, like, or niche, however you guys decide to say it. Um, So that's kind of how uh, things, you know, snowballed for me in that sense.
1: Yeah. It's awesome. I just, it's funny because you're jogging my memory when you're talking about the course and stuff. Like I had dreams of being an entrepreneur too. And I remember buying, some crazy stuff that cost a fortune and some of the stuff I'd be so hyped at the presentation then I would get the course but I never do anything with it (laughs) it just seemed so right like so good for the entrepreneurs that were selling it and I know it really worked for them but but it's interesting how many people will actually buy that stuff it's kind of like when you're teaching people or like I'm presenting in front of a group of agents or whatever you give them all your secrets but less than five percent will ever do anything with it so but it's just funny because for some of us that those were the ideas that got the wheels turning that would be some, you know, at some point be there.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's, I think it's a, a logical thing. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, like people in my course that I have a course and people that will join it and they're not doing the work. And it's like, you pay $5,000 to be in this course. And it's just like, man, I'm giving you the blueprint. And this is all you gotta do is just like implement every single thing that I'm talking about. And you'll have a successful business, but that requires you to make 20 calls a week. You know, that's 80 calls a month. If those are, those are things that you have to do to be successful. If you do those 20 calls for four weeks, there's a, probably a pretty good likelihood that you're going to get a contractor, you know, something connected. And, and just a lot at the end of the day, somebody can have it laid out in front of them and only, you know, just like Shane said, one to 5% of people are actually truly going to actually do the work that it requires. Um, you know, and not just once, like, you know, in this business, you know, Shane, you guys know you're in real estate, you know, you don't make money on the hello, you make money on the hello again. It's all about that follow-up, that consistency. And I think that a lot of times people get stuck on that. Um, They just don't follow up. You know, I got shot down, I'm done.
1: Yeah, and that follow-up, I mean, that opens up a whole nother topic for another day. But it's amazing how, like, if you do do the follow-up, it's the fifth, sixth, seventh time where it really happens. Most people don't get past the second or third time. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I hear you. Yeah,
2: that's so common. And it happens all the time. And people don't like rejection. I mean, at the end of the day, um, that's why I always tell people, like, you know, I'll, I'll talk to folks and they're like, I'm a, I was a door to door salesman. I'm like, dude, you probably have the upper hand on every single person because you're literally knocking on somebody else's home, trying to get their attention while they're at their own house. Like, and that's difficult and you get rejected and you just move on, you move on to the next thing. And uh, if, again, everything we do in life goes back to sales, whether you're, um, you know when you're a baby, right, you're born, you're crying, you're trying to sell like, hey, I need milk or whatever it is. Or if you're going to go on a date, you're trying to sell, I'd rather go to get Chinese instead of getting Mexican food or something like that. So there's always like everything that we do in our lives is is based around some type of,
1: you know, sales of some sort. So someone's always getting sold. Exactly. (laughs) You better be the one doing the selling or you're getting sold. That's, That's so true.
2: There was a statistic I read. I wish I can pull it up. Mike, maybe you can, you can Google this as I'm talking about it there was a statistic that was saying that average every day, like a a person is sold, like literally like, I think it was like 125 times throughout an entire day, whether that's like ads on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, driving by something like literally that's how many times you're being sold in a day. And I could be wrong, but Michael, I know you're doing research. I'm
0: looking forward on, if I find (laughs) it, I'll let you know, but that, that is a, that is a pretty crazy stat. I've never really thought about that. Yeah. Um, So for those people, like, Who may not naturally be good at sales? I feel like you, you and Shane, you're both very naturally good at sales, and it makes me very jealous. Um, How can people like develop out those skills? How what can somebody do to kind of make themselves more comfortable with it?
2: Yeah, I think that um, you know, just talking to my daughter about this, like small skills of like waiting, like having customer service, learning about putting people before you're putting yourself in a lot of situations. We just talked about this before, Shane. You do too many things for other people. And I guess that's part of real estate. Customer service is sales at the end of the day. It's like one of the most truest forms of sales. There's a book uh, by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. If you haven't read it yet, I definitely suggest you pick it up. This book was written in the 1940s. And a lot of the principles still stand true today. What I would say is really put yourself in situations. If you're an introverted person, I'm an introvert, like by nature, that's just who I am. But when it comes to things like this, or like I, I become an extrovert, And I think that a lot of times people need to um, understand that whatever it is you're trying to do in your life, it's going to involve sales. Like it it doesn't matter what it is you're doing. Like it's going to go back around that and you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We talked about that a minute ago, Shane, you just brought that up. Um, So if you're somebody that doesn't talk to people or doesn't communicate, put yourself in situations, go to real estate meetups, go to whatever it is that you're into, be around like-minded people and have conversation, even if it's uncomfortable over time, you're going to be better at it. not everybody's great at sales, right? At the end of the day, not everybody can be can be super sales oriented, um, but you can still create a company and hire a kick-ass sales rep, you know, at the end of the day. So,
1: Yep. Right. Well, what I was going to say too, is that, I mean, well, we're talking about sales, we're also talking about customer service. Like you are talking about your book um, that you like, and then, you know, for me, raving fans, because I'm like, I'm a really big fan of, you know, like, I shouldn't say big fan, but I don't know what the right term is, but Customer service is super important for me and that's part of my business, like a big part of my business. Like I really care. We're not just trying to turn stuff. And so um, basically, you know, when you're talking about that, Raving Fans is a great book. And so if you haven't read that one, add that to your list. That's a great Raving book. Fantasy, I'll check it out.
2: Yeah, man. Customer service is a, I think a lot of times people think about it and I was just having this conversation the other day with like, you know, what I do why housing people and um, like families that lost their property due to relocation, like you know, lose their home due to a fire, or flood, or something like that. At the end of the day, like I care more about what they're going, what they've experienced, what they're going through, than the dollar amount that comes with it. And I think that at the end of the day, when I flipped that mindset of like I'm going to get paid instead of I'm now serving people, everything completely changed for me. My business started to grow, uh, my mindset changed. I put the customer first, and literally just almost overnight, like putting that into the universe, putting that into the world. Um, And even just that perspective, that thought change, that mind change, that mind shift really changed the way my business was, um, you know, being ran secondary, why those guests are so important. And I think that um, no matter what business you're in, it's just, it's really, it's really great to have that. I know that we're all, we know we all, we all want to be financially secure in a way, but I think once you start thinking about your client rather than yourself, um, things start to change uh, in a lot of positive ways.
1: Well, it's, No, it's true. And I didn't mean to cut him before. What I was going to say is that that's what I tell like in my business, like new agents and such that are always like, Oh, you've been so successful. Like how do I, you know, and like one of the key things I always tell people and they look at me like, okay, you're, you're just making this up, but it's true. I always tell them just take care of the client. The money will always be there. Right. And so focus on taking care of the client. The thing is, is that, you know, basically um, when you're looking out, for your client's best interest and you're really in it for the right reasons and you're really passionate and love the business, that just shows, I mean, people feel that, you know? it's like, I hate feeling like someone's just trying to sell me and be fake. Like some of these calls I get, not to pick on New York, but I get a lot of calls from New York from these like, oh, you need some business capital or whatever. I swear, it's like every call from New York, like every single one of those voices it's just like that slimy cars, no offense to car salespeople either. Cause I know some good car salespeople. people, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it just, even just that, like my, my sensory for that stuff is so intense and it irritates me. And so it's like, I try to tell these agents, like, look, man, I mean, everybody's got their BS detector, you know, like just be real with people. And then the other thing too, is like to be successful, even if you're not a great salesperson, if you love what you do and you're passionate and you're willing to put in, some people have to put in extra work or, or need some kind of a maybe crutch or maybe they end up needing a partner. with someone like even in your business, you have probably seen people that are partnered up. Sometimes it takes two people together to get that one complete person, you know? So um, but anyway, so you, you know, obviously we started off by talking about, you know, skills and, you know, being a good salesperson and such Um, obviously to, to do what you're doing, What's another skill or another character trait that you think is super important to be successful in your space? um,
2: Educating yourself in the space. I think there's not very much uh, literature out there, especially in the midterm rental space. There's not really very much out there. um, And really just understanding what the market is doing. What I mean by that is like putting your ear to the ground. If you're looking at investing in the healthcare sector, find out what your hospitals are doing. Find out if the hospitals are hiring traveling nurses, find out what agencies are hiring, find out what the ratio is. So like they'll hire... You know, so hospitals will hire full-time, um, you know, nurses, and then let's just say 30% are hired out. So that gives you a good indication that, you know, 65% of the hospital is full-time hires and the other 35 is a, you know, they're they're contracted, contractual hires that come, will come in for X amount of time um, and really start to understand what your market is actually truly doing. Um, find out about job growth demand. If there's another hospital coming in, if there's more clinics coming in, uh, more doctors, just specific things in general that are gonna you know help you understand your market. I think a lot of investors, you know, we typically look at, you know, how many what's the average job growth? You know, what's this look like? What's that look like? What's the census look like? You have that same concept, you just niche it down into very specific categories. And I think that a lot of times people get way too lost in the idea of, well I don't know how to do that, but if you just literally break things back down and you reverse engineer it, you know, we just, we just talked about a second ago, you, you do the exact same things that every traditional investor is going to do, but it's just very niche down into that specific market that
1: you're going to, you know, that you're going to be working on. So that's what I So you would sum that up as being a good researcher, like, honestly, like do the research and not just want that instant gratification, right? Because everybody wants to be a celebrity in your space just like in our space without doing yeah work.
2: oh yeah and you can't you can't fake anything in this space like you people can tell instantly shane you talked about earlier like you if you talk about stuff and you're not like energetic and enthusiastic about it and you like you know it like the back of your hand it can easily be sought out of, you know you can't this is something that you just have to really spend the time to learn educate yourself that's why i mentioned a, a little bit ago is and i always tell my students this is like education before compensation like educate yourself completely And then the money will come later on. You're not going to be able to jump into something, especially that's not, you know, you don't have full education on. And I guess you can jump into things without being educated. What I mean by is just being very specific and intentional about what you're doing. And I think a lot of times people uh, don't really have intentions when it comes to things. Even if you ask them, like, what's your goal behind this? Like, they can't even give you an answer to like why they're doing this or what the goal is. Um, And being intentional is like literally being intentional about why you're putting this together, who you're doing it for, why you're doing it, who's the customer in mind. What's your end goal? What's your exit strategy? Like all those things that people will ask other people instead of asking themselves. Um, I think that's a pretty common, you know, flaw that I've seen a lot of uh, people these days.
0: Well, it's, and it's interesting because I feel like yeah, to, I I heard something a saying recently, and it's like where it's like it seems like people a lot of times these days will dream more so than they'll actually like work towards achieving like something that they're really set out to doing. And that seems to kind of be the thing here. Like we're living in a day and age where, yeah, I think people's BS detectors are up super high. Um, They have to filter through a lot of stuff on social media, social media these days. So that's probably why it's up so high. Um, And then, but they, all they see out there is just the success stories. They don't really see like the, what's, you know, when you pull the curtain back, what's, what's what's you know all the work and all the time that it took to get there.
2: Yeah. I agree with that. And also one thing, Michael, that I would suggest, um, you know, is and this is something I've been living by, is like, you know, I was always guarded, like I don't want to tell anybody my secrets. I don't want to tell anybody to go to LinkedIn. I don't want to tell anybody to go in and find these hospitals and find out who the recruiters are. And at the end of the day I started realizing like my free content needs to be better than somebody's paid content. And I know for a fact one hundred percent mine is. Um, In fact if I'm scared to say something out loud, then I probably should be saying it. And I think that a lot of times people are um, very guarded. They have a scarcity mindset when it comes to any business, um, especially in the online coaching business. And for me now, I'm just like the best people that I've seen in the space will literally give their entire masterclass for free. Only 1% of the people are actually going to do it, but they're going to come across those people that are like, I'll give you everything in my book. You decide what you want to do with it. And if somebody does something with it, freaking amazing. Come back to me, give me a high five, tag me on a story. And say, hey, you did it because you follow what I what, what I had preached or talked about. Um, and that's the cool thing, right? We live in an age of YouTube. Like, we can literally learn anything we want to do right now. Shane, you can learn how to play guitar tonight if you wanted to, man. So, like, you know what I mean? So, we can, like, we have these, these we have such, uh, we live in such an extraordinary time where you can literally learn how to do anything that you want to do, whether that's fixing a refrigerator or, you know, learning how to invest in real estate. Literally for free, you guys. It's just about putting that work. You know, YouTube education is a real thing. Um, and like I said, for me, it's just I like to give give as much as I can. And hopefully that is uh, that will put me in, in a space where people can trust. know, and, you know, know, like and trust. Right. That's the three things that people want to, you know, they need to have a connection with somebody. So for me, it's just, you know, giving and hopefully uh, continuing to give and get those three things that obviously everybody's looking for.
1: Well, and I like what you said about leading like with value or giving it for free. And not being worried about, like, because we talked about that earlier, how the small percentage they use it anyway, that shouldn't be your reason for being worried about it anyway. But I'm just saying that's an additional layer. Like most people won't use it anyway. But what I was going to say, though, is that leading with value and putting that out there, because too many people in your business, my business, et cetera, they want to go out there and ask for business or ask for something they don't want to offer. Right. And so for me, people want to do business with you, especially when you're willing to open up everything and, you know, be there to do for them. And, um, and that's what makes, you know, like, for me, I feel like that's what's helped me be really successful. And I'm glad, you know, I'm happy to know, I mean, I've known you for a while, and I didn't really realize how much of this you practiced in your business, we have a lot of similar things that we do. And that's impressive, I never even realized that in your space, you had a lot of similarities. And also just kind of like the way you live in your business. And, I'm, you know, I'm happy to, happy to hear that that you know I love that that that's exciting I guess I just gotta hurry up and start you know putting together a course because clearly you've you've gotten ahead on that one so um so I mean for you know we've kind of been talking about the skills and what it takes etc but like you know obviously you've been putting these courses out and trying to get people going um, I mean how realistic is it for you know like obviously YouTube and everything else and all the education I mean how realistic is it for somebody? Because people come to me and say, hey, I really want to get into Airbnbs or I want to do this, or I want to do that. Like, how realistic is it for like the average person that maybe has 20 or 30 thousand dollars set aside, they want to get into the game? Like, I mean, what what's the minimum requirement? Like, what does it take? Because I mean, I know people are always asking me. So people that watch this are going to be, you know, wondering like, how can I get started besides buying your course? Sounds like that's probably mandatory. But aside from that, like what's it going to take to, just get it going, just off the street. Yeah. Your brand. New. First
2: off, uh, you can just go watch all my YouTube videos and be able to implement everything on there. You don't even have to take my course. I'm not selling anybody anything. I was, I was teasing you. Was <laughs> yeah, little, okay. Like, <laughs> I, I am the kind <laughs> of person that will be on a stage and not even talk about what I'm doing, like not talk about the course or anything like that, because I don't. I'm not there to sell. I'm get, there to give value.
1: No, and I love that. I love that about you. I was just literally
2: just teasing. You. I, I, that. I know, man. I'm just. I know. I don't want people to be like, this guy's selling something. Um, yeah. You can go on YouTube and watch everything for free. Um, but I think in order to learn, it's going to go back to education. Like you have to understand what the market's doing. You have to understand real estate in a, a general understanding of real estate. Um, you know, you got to understand that what you're going to make on Airbnb, what your markets are allowing, what the top properties are doing, what the lowest properties are doing and really understanding what your market's doing. You can go to a website called AirDNA.com, and you can actually just type in an address on there and it'll give you, um, you know, if it's a three bed, two bath, it'll give you a year. Uh, a year long kind of breakdown of how much that property can earn. That's a good way to start. Um, But then I think now Airbnb has really shifted their algorithm before. And I'll tell you guys, when I started in 2017 with Airbnb, you used to have, you can have four rooms, a wall on a TV and you can kill. That was Airbnb at the very beginning, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016. Um, But now you have four rooms, a wall on a TV. You're going to be like the last person that's going to make any money. You have to have a unique space. You got to have experience behind it. You got to be professional. You got to be customer centric. Um, you have to think about your guests, their avatar, like who they are, what they do, how they operate, why they're going to be staying with you. It's so competitive now that you have to make sure that you're standing out in front of everybody else. Um, so if you don't have anything like that, then, you know, you're going to be put yourself, you're putting yourself in a, a situation that it might not be, it might not have longevity. And anybody that invests in anything, they want to have a long roadway, right? So I'm one of the type of, I'm the type of person that likes to skate where the puck is going, where I can see where the future is going to be. And for me, I feel that midterm rentals are that and anything that is a unique property or has an experience attached to it, whether that's a fort in the back of your house, somewhere in the middle of Aptos, it's in the middle of trees, um, or a, you know, a beautiful ocean beach property that is, you know, sitting on a cliff on a hillside, those are experiences in themselves. So that's kind of where Airbnb has been heading. Um, so I would really encourage anybody that if they're going to get in that space to really go in that direction. Um, you don't have to spend a bunch of money to do it you can invest in real estate or as an arbitrage you can you know rent somebody else's property for relatively um you know for pretty cheap so with 20 or 30 grand you could literally get started Um, but again you got to know your returns you got to know how much you're going to get back you got to know how much it's going to cost to furnish you got to know what your cash on cash return rates are going to look like so all the basic foundations added on top of what your market is doing like i talked about a while ago um you have to really do some research
1: well thanks for sharing that and i mean i guess along those lines, that's what it is to get started. But then, you know, there's also always the gossip and what's going on out there. And so I have some people that are telling me, oh my God, there's, you know, Airbnb is going to be, you know, pushed out of all these markets and stuff. Like, is there a place for people to kind of catch wind or kind of know ahead of time, like where they should or shouldn't be investing? Like, is there a place that you tap into for that information?
2: You know, right now, only 3% of the United States is regulated by short-term The municipalities have regulations. So and this year it's expected to triple um and the way that you find out is you actually can go to um crap i'm trying to think of the name right now i'll think about it by the end of the episode hopefully but you can just check with your local municipality so if you're in santa cruz you look up you know santa cruz short-term you google short-term rental regulations and just look and see what regulations are looking like um, but there's a website that i forget what it's called but you can literally go on there and look and see but the best thing to do is look up at your city they'll they'll have regulations or guidelines Um, When it comes to short term rentals, most cities are starting to if they're not regulated, starting to think about regulations. Um, And that's where you got to be. I'm pro regulations, to be honest with you guys. I think regulations will are going to make things easier for people. You know what you can and you can't do. And you don't ever want to be operating in a in a in a gray area, because at the end of the day, if you have 10 properties in one location and the city decides to shut it down, you're SOL like your business is gone literally overnight. So you got to have multiple exit strategies. You got to think about those from day one. That's part of education in the space. Um, so I hope that answers your question, Shane.
1: No, that that's helpful. Well, I mean, I guess like for me being in real estate, like, I mean, and working with different municipalities and the county and such like here in our county, I mean, we actually have a short term rental desk at the county. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me, it's easy mm-hmm. to, I was just curious, cause you know, we're lucky we're already in the business. It's just good to like, try and give people guidance that are not in the business. Got you. And, um, uh, and I agree with you on like. Because obviously, just naturally, everybody's always against regulation. Mm-hmm. But I understand what you're saying. How regulation in this space can be a good thing, because what it does too is it keeps other people from ruining it for us. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of along the. It's probably along the lines that you're thinking. Is like, yeah, this, you know, it also <clears throat> keeps the market from getting oversaturated. You know, if these shady operations are being dealt with, um, so I, I could see that being a good thing. Yeah uh michael your thoughts
0: well i was gonna i was gonna ask you just a little bit jesse like as you said you wanted to kind of be very forward like looking you want to be able to see the goalposts post kind of in front of you like what are some other challenges you foresee that are going to be coming up like for your business down the road and like how do you typically go about you know planning for that and like as best you can
2: Yeah, I think the I think for the short term side, the regulations are going to be very difficult. And I think this is why also midterm rentals uh, or medium term rentals, as people call them, um, which is 30 days or more, are going to become more popular because people that were short term renting are now wanting to get the same income as a city becomes regulated. So they're pivoting in the short term or midterm rental space afterwards. So for me, one of my exit strategies from back in 2015 was midterm rentals. So and this is why I really feel it's important to think about diversifying your portfolio. Whether you're investing in the stock market, you know, you're not gonna put all your money on you know, on red. I mean, unless you're in Vegas with Shane, then he might you might end up doing that. But um, you know what I mean? Like you you just wanna diversify your your portfolio. So have some short term rentals, have some midterm rentals, diversify in different markets and and you know, think about exit strategies. Any smart business intuitive, savvy investor is gonna look at a long roadway of a business. So what I look at is in states like California, Texas, Illinois. North Carolina and Florida; those five states alone are one of the most underserved states for travel medical professionals in the entire U.S. And in fact, they're not going to be—they're not going to be back to pre-pandemic levels until 2030. The, the travel nursing industry is a $30 billion industry, which is freaking massive. Nobody would have ever thought it was that big. So um, there's not any expectations of things of, of that department or that area getting fixed until 2030. In fact, I just read a Forbes article yesterday that says one in four clinicians is expected to leave the healthcare industry by 2025. We have the highest baby boomers that are going into the hospitals that are aging out right now, right? So you have a mixture of, uh, of the possibilities that we have just in when it comes to aging. Then you have these travel these, these clinicians that are getting burnt out. They're tired of working in healthcare. In fact, I've never had more clinicians that have reached out to me saying, hey, I want to get out of I want to get out of healthcare uh, this is my way to do it because, you know, they make decent income, so they have money to invest in, into things. And I've never seen more people in that space that are wanting, willing to put in extra work somewhere else to eventually get out of it. So, you know, I think that, again, looking at a business, seeing where the opportunity is, really going all in on it and being very intuitive about what you're doing. That's going to help you tremendously. And You got to be dialed in. You got to be, you know, you got you to look at what the trajectory is. And we live in this beautiful age, like I talked about a little bit ago. We can go on Google. You know, we can literally go on YouTube. We can find out all this stuff relatively for free, pretty damn fast. Um, and it's just putting that time and energy into what you're, you're doing. And I, and I believe in laws of attraction too. You know, you start surrounding yourself with people that are doing things that, that what you want to do, or you start surrounding yourself, you know, listening to podcasts, like what you guys are doing. You start putting yourself in front of mentors, whether they're in front of you or over a podcast, and you're going to have a different tra- a school of thought. So I think that's super, super imperative to anybody in any business growing at any moment.
1: Awesome. Well, you know, I, I um no, I love that. And I didn't even realize it was such a like a thirty billion dollar industry. That's crazy. But um yeah, I know that I know that we're wrapping up. I just have I have one more question, I'm gonna turn it over to Michael. But uh I guess, you know, like knowing what my vision is, like in my business and where I'm headed, and obviously I, I love what you do and I've made that part of my portfolio, especially for you know, it's it's my favorite you know, option for passive income. But, you know, as far as you, you're growing, you're doing your courses and everything. Like, what's the what's the big picture? Like, what's the end game? Like, when are you going to be like, I'm there or where are you headed?
2: Shane, I wish I had an answer to that, man. I actually just wrote a blog today about celebrating little wins. I think that most very uh, successful entrepreneurs will look at these like chapters in their life. You know, like, I'm just giving you an example, getting on bigger pockets, you know, making a hundred thousand a month um, you know, uh, buying your dream home, like all these significant things, you, you get them and then you're on to the next thing, the next day, you celebrate that for a second, you're gone. Um, and for me, it's, you know, I'm trying to, trying to step back and actually like enjoy the process in the chain. Um, I think that a lot of times it's difficult because you're always kind of keeping an eye on the prize. Um, and I'm not sure where I even came from this. I
1: know that you asked something probably completely different right now. Um, no, I was just, I was just saying like what, cause I mean, you obviously transitioned out of the corporate world, to being in charge of your own paychecks and kind of living life by your rules. But even though we're friends and we talk and, you know, are in touch and we work together on some stuff, I guess I've really never sat back and drank a couple of beers and been like, okay, where are you headed? Like I totally agree with you with the small wins and everything else. And I try to be good like that. Cause I'm, I'm probably one of the harshest critics you ever meet of themselves. But like what you're talking about is like vision board stuff, right? Like you're, checking those off and celebrating those wins those like that's like vision board stuff but like i guess just really now that you're on that road it's just always exciting to hear like where you're headed or you know what the end but i hear you and if you don't know right now it's totally fine it was just more curiosity
2: my end game is me sitting on the beach with a pina colada owning a business that runs by itself Uh, you know i don't have to be in front of people speaking and then maybe like an app like you know, Michael's in the Silicon Valley Michael hooked me up with some developers where I can get people to like, you know, create something that's super cool where somebody almost like an Airbnb app, but for, um, you know, corporate companies that are looking for something like that's my end goal is like to create something that is big enough that I don't necessarily have to be involved in on a day-to-day basis. And I can make pretty decent amount of money and I can live and travel and do anything from anywhere I want. And, you know, bring my family with me. That's the goal, Shane. Right there, it is. Oh, and you could
1: and you could fly me out. You can fly <laughs> you can me out on the private jet to go with you. Fly <laughs> me out,
2: man. Yeah, there you go. I'll be hanging out on Necker Island with freaking uh, what's his name, Bronson Russell Bronson. That's what I'm going to be doing.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm going to let Michael uh, wrap it up with our our signature question. But uh, yeah, man, I, I love it. This has been great, and I appreciate you sharing so much and being, you know, so vulnerable and open because I know it's hard sometimes to kind of just. Put everything out there from the heart. So I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, man, no problem.
0: Yeah. So Jesse, we always like to wrap up with with this question for all our guests, and that's um, you know, if you were to take everything that you've learned in your journey of building out your own business, and you were to start a real estate production practice today, how would you go about
2: doing it? Yeah. How would I go about starting a real estate practice company today? So, okay. So hang on real estate practice. Like that's, there's a lot of, are you talking about like starting, starting over from scratch, doing exactly what I'm doing now or like
0: starting over, no, starting over from scratch, doing like doing what Shane and I do, you know, working with buyers, sellers, starting a production business.
2: Yeah. I would look at, I would look at, okay. So I'm a big believer in, in, uh, riches are in the niches. I just, I've been talking about, you know, about the niches a, a little bit ago and I feel that, that's something that I'd really focus on. Most most real estate folks are looking at who's going to be buying, who's selling, yada 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 yada. For me, I'd, I'd rather go after the the niche niche, whatever you want to say that. Um, those specific investors, and really saying, here's how I can maximize your profits. Here's what I'm doing to help you out. And then again, going back to education before compensation, educating myself in all those spaces so that these investors will eventually be able to look at different ways. Especially as the market's pivoting. If I bought a property six months ago, right now, you guys, and I'm a flipper guess what? I got a refi out and my numbers are completely different from they were six months ago. So what does that mean for me? I now have to hold my property. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for anybody getting into anything right now is to really niche things down and be very intentional and specific about who you're going after. There's a lot of money sitting out there right now that's literally sitting around and there's probably a bunch of real estate uh, agents that are not going after it because they don't know
1: how. I like that. I haven't heard that before. That makes so much sense, especially coming in brand new. Yeah. Attacking that niche right away. Yeah. Niche, be niche, whatever. Expert. I mean, you've, you've been having fun with that word today. <laughs> yeah. but being the expert. I, I like
2: where that. every other agent is going to come to you in your market because you're the
1: expert in that space. And that's exactly what you're doing. This is one inch wide going super deep. I love that. Yeah. We just, a lot of agents come in like three feet wide going like one inch deep. So I, I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree with that. Yeah.
2: Be, in the, be the expert. Don't chase the which means. You're not chasing clients. You're attracting clients by whatever it is, the knowledge that you have. And that's how you get to be in a room with a lot of people that are successful is that you're not necessarily going after them. You're creating something that they're going to want. And that can happen for anybody. An agent that's brand new starting out where they're literally, that's why I feel like I could kill it. Shane, if I went to your business right now and I, you, you got me in front of investors, I can literally talk to them about how they can double their NOI. And I'm not even an agent. Like there's just so much opportunity for people out there. They just have to think in a different way. Michael, I know
1: this is our closing question, but can I recruit him after this? <laughs> yeah, is that absolutely. Legal? I think I, <laughs> he's got me fired up. No, man. <laughs> you guys are missing out, man. I want to I develop a new niche and have you come help me build that out. I like that. We should talk offline. Seriously, that investor niche, because it could translate into your business you know, I love it. We could, we could team up on something like that.
0: And it sounds like we've settled on niche as the right, as the
2: right pronunciation. I think that's it. Guys, no niche. So, it's, it's niche. niche.
1: It's, it's whatever Shane says. <laughs>
2: <laughs> whatever Shane says, we'll go with. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, Jesse. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you joining us and just sharing all your wisdom and experience and everything that you've gone through. I'm um, truly appreciate it, man.
2: Yeah. No, thank you guys. Thanks for having me here. Everybody listening. I appreciate you guys for tuning in with me and Shane and, and uh, Michael here for the last 43 minutes. So thanks, guys. Appreciate the time.
0: Oh, yeah. So if like folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Yeah, you can head over to my website, therealjessevasquez.com. There's too many Jesse Vasquez in the world. So uh, <laughs> it's probably a pretty common name. Um, so I couldn't get the Um And you can find me on Instagram at therealjessevasquez as well. So yeah, anybody wants to reach out, has any questions, feel free to reach out. I respond to most of my DMs. Um, So reach out for sure.